Sunday, we started into a new sermon series, Encountering Jesus. We last Sunday looked at encountering the work of Jesus through the example of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a religious person. And through that conversation, we were learning about the work of Jesus and how Jesus was at work in the world. And then Today we start into um, Holy Week, the beginning of Holy Week, and starting with Palm Sunday, such a special time. And so we're going to look at the scriptures together and recognize that there's an encountering of Jesus through um, the revelation of Jesus. And that's our focus for today. And then this Friday will be Good Friday, and we're going to join together again online, but join together as a church on Good Friday to encounter Jesus through the death of Jesus, which leads us into Easter Sunday, next Sunday, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and how we encounter Jesus through that resurrection. It is so powerful because what we realize, especially in times like we're in right now, just this kind of unusual time, um, so unexpected is that we live in this tension of death that leads to life. So many people think that the end of life is death, but the reality when we follow Jesus is that we are becoming alive in Christ and that there is this hope that extends, yes, beyond this world, but it actually is a hope that is present here and now. So that's what we hope you capture in your heart today. Let's pray together. God, we pause now and we ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit to remind us of who we are in you. We pray, Jesus, that you would speak to us through the words of Scripture and through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to bring us alive in you. And as we rest in this tension of, of death that leads to life, we realize we're following in your example. Would you help us in this Easter season as we look toward the joy of Easter Sunday morning to remember um, what it means to celebrate and worship you both in your life and in your death and also in your resurrection. I pray, God, for every person watching this video to, to recognize that you are God over all. And we say, Lord, that we are open. Speak. We are listening. Speak to your church, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to give you a little context about this idea of Palm Sunday. I know um, regardless probably of your background, you've heard of Easter Sunday, you've heard of Palm Sunday, but where does it come from? And we're going to look at scripture specifically, but one of the things I think is really important for us to, to realize is that um, Palm Sunday and the story that from the Gospels of Jesus, the stories of Jesus um, and all four of the Gospels, it captures this moment in Jesus' life called the triumphal entry, this moment where Jesus is entering into the city of Jerusalem and there's a crowd that gathers around him and that people um, sing his praises. They throw their coats on the ground and they wave palm branches and lay them on the ground before him, uh, worshiping Jesus. And so that's where we get the name Palm Sunday. It comes from this image in the Bible that's in all four of the gospels. So we know it's so important to the story of Jesus. So we're going to look at this together now. And the gospel that we're going to focus in on for this Palm Sunday is uh, looking at Matthew's account of Jesus' life and and the triumphal entry. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to start in verse number one. The scripture will be on the screen, but let's read it together now as Pastor, Gra Pastor Kristen shares the scripture for us. All right. It says, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, The people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble and riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. 
The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. All the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, what I want to start with before we get into the points of the sermon is to give a little bit of the historical context, because again, for us, we're removed by centuries from the time of Jesus. And so um, this is a passage of scripture and in each of the gospels that is just packed full of symbolism, symbolism that in Jesus day and Jesus time and that the first readers of the gospel scriptures would have just been uh, just captured the breath taken away by the power of the symbolism in this moment in Jesus life. But what happens for us because we're so far removed from it and somewhat familiar with the story, we can kind of just fly right over it and miss it. And so part of what we need to recognize as we read this is up to this moment, Jesus has really refused to allow there to be any kind of public acknowledgement of him being the Messiah. There's moments in the Gospels we see leading up to this where he's asked, are you the one that we're expecting? And he usually answers in kind of a, a confusing, mysterious sort of way. And, and most of his ministry up to this point had been outside of Jerusalem. And so as he's entering Jerusalem, what he's doing is um, up to this point, he's kind of avoided in, any engagement and conflict with the religious leaders, with the established religious system. But now, as we're just days out from Jesus' death, um, his arrest, his death on the cross, and then ultimately his resurrection, he's now stepping into the conflict that's going to create the, the moment of his arrest that starts us into that journey toward the cross. So in a lot of ways, this, this moment of Jesus entering into Jerusalem is just packed with symbolism because I think the gospel writers want us to capture the power of what's unfolding here. Here's a few things to, to pick up from in that scripture. So the opponents of Jesus understood when, when he was riding in on a donkey, um, even the, the people gathering around and throwing their um, garments, their, their robes on the ground, waving palm branches, they would have recognized that there are implications of this that are directly symbolic of the Messiah that has been prophesied, that's been talked about, and it's starting to point toward Jesus being the Messiah. And I think that's where there's so much resistance by the religious leaders where they decide, you know what, we've had enough. We need to put him around him and put him to death. And one of the things that happens, and this is what's powerfully symbolic that we kind of miss, is even the, the people gathering around and throwing their cloaks on the ground, it's a proclamation of Jesus being the king. This is symbolically something that would have happened for kings, for royal people as they're entering a town, people coming out and, and worshiping, literally worshiping the royalty that is, is being displayed. Another place um, where we see something very symbolic is the waving of palm branches in Jesus' time in the, in the ancient world to wave palm branches and to lay them down is a way that you would receive home uh, a conquering warrior, somebody who had been to war and had conquered and you're receiving them back and you're celebrating. And so what we're seeing here is in, in this symbolism, there's a declaring of Jesus as, as royal, that Jesus is, has a, a place as a, as a king, as a royal one, one who's a conquering warrior. 
But the whole way that it's unfolding, it's unfolding in a way that's tied back to ancient scriptures, to tied back to the prophecies that were being spoke of, of a Messiah that's coming. One of those is even in Zechariah 9.9, where it talks about this king, this, this messianic figure that would be coming, and the figure would, would ride toward the nation of Israel, riding not just on a, not on a, uh, a bright white horse or, or some, as some conquering victor, but actually riding on a donkey. So specifically that Zechariah actually says, not just a donkey, but a donkey's colt. And so we see in, in Matthew's scripture and then in the other gospels, this connection that Jesus is starting to fulfill exactly what's been talked about as the Messiah, this, this king, this royal figure that would come. Yet, Jesus' way of doing it, and this is the way that Jesus does so many times, is he upsets and, and kind of upside down breaks their expectations of what that Messiah will truly look like. And so what we see in Jesus entering Jerusalem is not Jesus entering as this powerful Messiah figure, not one who's conquered at war, who has an army marching behind him, but we see a humble Messiah who's coming in in such a humble and understated way with his ragtag band of of disciples coming along that are fishermen and doctors and and um, tax collectors that are all kind of just following along with Jesus and really not fitting the picture of what it would be to see a conquering Messiah come in and so Nonetheless, the people's response is revealing that there is an authority about the way that Jesus is coming in. Not just with the religious establishment have trouble with this, but even the political governmental establishment would have trouble with it as well. Because in Jesus entering, this crowd starting to gather, soldiers would have been on edge. I mean, you think about this is a display that would be the way that they would want to receive, you know, the Caesar or Pilate or Herod as they're coming down the street. And yet crowds are starting to gather around Jesus. And so they would have been on high alert too, wondering who is this guy? What is he up to? What is he trying trying to do here? And are we on the verge of some sort of riot, potentially even some sort of battle breaking out in Jerusalem? And so we have to see that tension started to go up. I think that's why the gospel writers capture for us that there was a sort of a, a chaos, a questioning, who is this man? What is he saying? Like, what is starting to unfold here? And people asking like, who is this one that is coming in on the donkey that people are praising because they've seen Jesus' miracles, they've heard the stories, and now here he is in Jerusalem. This is like such a powerful moment that we have to recognize that there's so much about the nature of Jesus that's being revealed. And that's why we talk about today that encountering Jesus on Palm Sunday, on, on this triumphal entry, is a place where Jesus is being revealed as Messiah, when he's being revealed as God. He's done miracles, he's spoken with authority, he's taught, he's preached, but now on Palm Sunday, we're starting to see Jesus in a very different light. And I, I think that's what the gospel writers are wanting us to really capture in this. Yeah. I think it's we we have this moment where we get a glimpse of his royalty and his majesty. But in the glimpse of his royalty and majesty, we're not seeing it in, as Pastor Brad said, this kind of grand way of coming in on a, a white horse to, to save the day. Uh, we're seeing Jesus coming in as he's revealing himself to the people. He's coming in in such a humble state that he speaks to the, the ones that are humble. He speaks to the ones that are broken. He speaks to the ones that are poor. He speaks to the ones that are, are below or, or beneath, that Jesus brings himself to this place. It is such a, I mean, can you, I don't know if, you know, I, as Pastor Brad's speaking, I'm just envisioning 
capturing this moment, this, this picture in history that, that tells us so much of who Jesus is. And then again, reminds us that, that he does. He it defies the expectations that we have of the way things are supposed to be. And uh, so we have, we have a couple points that, that we want to look at to help us apply um, just what Jesus is revealing as he reveals himself in this. And so the first one uh, that, that we want to make is what you worship matters. What you worship matters. Uh, the people have been following the work of Jesus enough to recognize that there was something, in fact, supernatural about this person of Jesus. I think it's so interesting that when you're looking at the stories leading up to this time, there's, um, again, so much tension and so much conflict between the Pharisees and Jesus. And then there's also curiosity and interest and um, engagement with Jesus from other people. And then there are the people who really reached out to Jesus, the people that were in need. Again, the people that were broken, that were in need of healing, that we're in need um, of freedom, we're in need of salvation, and they, they reached out and pulled Jesus close to them. So you have all these different types of people that are in the mix of this, um, but the realization is that you have people that are celebrating the entrance of Christ Jesus, their Messiah. They're, they're singing praises and, and word, saying words like Hosanna, which is save us, oh God, save us. And so you have these people that have seen the miracles, they know there's something powerful going on about Jesus. The the crowds were declaring uh, Jesus's praises in the face of oppression. Uh, the Roman Empire culturally to praise Jesus as Messiah meant that he was the one to free the people from the oppression of Caesar and Herod. Um, and, and furthermore, he's bypassing the religious leaders and his entrance that, again, is maybe not grand in what the religious leaders expected, but grand in that he was coming in as Messiah, uh, really bypassing even the religious leaders. So the Messiah was this ful fulfillment of prophecy as though the people could say, Pharisees, we don't need you now. We have the true Messiah, which I personally, I love that. Um, so let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 21, verse 9. We just read it, but we're reading it this time in the NIV version. It says, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So again, Hosanna literally means help or save now, declaring Jesus has come to save. Jesus has not come to further oppression. Jesus has come to actually bring liberation. So worship in this way is potent because it, it, it helps us fix on something so tangible, Jesus, the Son of God. So even if they didn't have um, the ability to fully understand what they meant when they were tapping into the power or encountering Jesus, they still were fixing themselves on something so powerful as Christ Jesus. When we look at our current circumstance through the same lens and we're in this level of uncertainty and, and questions about what is happening in our world and people are asking, where is God? I've asked, God, where are you? God, what are you doing in the midst of this? Um, we have the opportunity to praise Jesus as victorious today and every day because we sense in our hearts, not based off of what we see happening around us, but what we know deep within our spirit that he is in fact the Messiah. We can't explain all of it. We can't wrap our minds around all of it. We can't necessarily um, help it make sense to other people but we know it deep in our hearts, in our spirit. He is the Messiah. He is the one to come to save us. So in the face of despair and doubt, we hold on to our palm branches and we cry, Hosanna, 
come and save us now. That is where we are at in our world in the midst of this is truly crying. I just, I, you know, I, I find myself regularly in these moments where I'm trying to wrap my mind around the poignancy of, of where we are in our world right now and being in this liturgical season, the liturgical calendar of looking at, we're at Palm Sunday, we're entering Holy Week, and there's so much symbolism and so many things that are happening um, that are so similar then that are now. Um, so we sing his praises forevermore. So who or what we worship matters. And I will say this as a challenge. This is something that is challenging my heart. Pastor Brad and I have talked about this, and we want to challenge you in this idea of who are you worshiping in this season? And what are you worshiping? Because it matters. You have people that stood in the crowd and they shouted um, the praises Hosanna. They declared the words, God come save us now. But I don't know that their hearts were actually aligning with the truth that they spoke in their words. I don't know that they even were understanding the truth that they spoke in their words. And so my question is, you know, what and who are we worshiping in this season? Because the fact of the matter is, is that as we enter um, holy Holy Week, as we enter the Easter season, here's the reality. The church has always described Easter Sunday as our Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. And the reason for that is that it's the kind of the biggest outreach event of the year. It's the time where everyone gas, gathers together. Many people come and they, they attend a church service. Maybe, uh, maybe you're one of those people watching that you're like, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't go to church unless it's Easter Sunday and my family makes me. And so there's this kind of mentality in the church or the institution of the church that Easter is Super Bowl Sunday. And so I think all of us are a little dumbfounded and a little at loss, especially pastors and spiritual leaders going, what are we going to do? We're not going to have all the, the Easter dresses and the Easter suits and getting best dressed and having all of our pictures taken Easter and egg Easter egg hunts, you know, the egg drops from the sky and, and all of these big, cool things that, yes, have some value and, and they're, and fun. they're fun. Absolutely. Um, but here we are where things have been completely scaled back. And those opportunities have been removed and taken from us. And I think the question is, and it challenges us in the simplicity of this Easter season, who and what are we worshiping? So as we go into this Holy Week, challenge yourself, was the Easter season in the past all about, for me, just attending a church service? Was the Easter season in the past all about going to the Good Friday service and taking communion because that's what I'm supposed to do? Was it about getting the Easter egg baskets and getting in a frenzy about the meal that we're going to cook for the day and how we're going to gather the family together and who's going to host it this year? And, and was it all about that? Or was it about the relationship, personal relationship with Christ Jesus, which I think leads us to our next point. That is how how you worship matters, not just who and what you worship matters, but how you worship matters. And this is what I think is so amazing about the season that we're in is that um, we say it often, churches say it all over the place, that worship is so much more than just songs. You know, it's not just the songs we sing in church that's our worship. It's our whole life's worshiping God. And I think we're being tested now in this uh, time in the church when we can't come together and just sing worship songs together and worship collectively together in a church service, but recognizing that our worship has to be something so much deeper and so much truer 
than just our ability to be able to enter into a, a sacred space, a sacred building together, and to, to collectively worship together through music, through hearing preaching, and, and those type of things, but actually coming to a place of encountering Jesus. And so, you know, yeah, yes, number one, what you worship matters, and, and what is the true uh, intent of your heart and the focus of your heart, but then secondly, mm-hmm. how you worship matters. And, and this ties exactly in with what Pastor Kristen was saying, how you worship matters. And if we look back to that um, section of scripture in Matthew, what we see in the the very last verses there are are the people's response to Jesus has entered. There's been kind of this... um, you know, a crowd gathered and they're singing his praises. And then look at this with me, Matthew chapter 21, verses 10 and 11. Scripture says the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. And people were asking, who is this? And then verse 11, and the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from, prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, again, to our ears, this sounds like, okay, they're just describing who's there. But we have to realize that what they're saying is it's the prophet from Nazareth. So in one sense, they're being very respectful of Jesus. They're they're giving him some title and a position, but they're still describing him as prophet. So in one sense, it's respectful, but it's not fully reverent. It's like the crowds have come together they see something's happening. They've heard of the miracles. Maybe some of them have even witnessed some of Jesus' miracles, but they're still seeing him through a lens of calling him prophet rather than recognizing that they are experiencing God in the flesh, the incarnation of God right in front of them, the manifestation of God that they can see, they can touch, they can see him sweat, they can they can touch the hem of his garment as we see in other stories in the gospels. Like they have the ability to make physical contact with God and they're missing it. They're just describing him as, as a prophet. And there have been many prophets through um, the Jewish history, and that's where the Jewish scriptures come from, is from the teaching and the writings of the prophets. And so, in one sense, they're speaking very, um, very respectfully of Jesus, but they're missing a deeper reverence. And, and so, in a way, we kind of come to this place of having to ask ourselves the same type of question and, and saying, are, are we doing the same thing where we encounter Jesus and we look for him more through a lens of, of God who meets my needs, who can meet my felt needs as the one who feeds me, clothes me, um, protects me, covers me? Or are we, are we asking ourselves, I'm encountering God in a deeper way, a truer way, a, a personal way. You know, Jesus was offering a completely new and really revolutionary, powerful view of Yahweh, the God that the, the Jewish people had known for centuries. Now he's giving them a completely different way through his display of God who has come near, Emmanuel, God who is with us. God was no longer high above, removed with degrees of separation and through a religious structure that he could be encountered, but now God was this person who could be felt, touched, known, seen. You know, so the crowds in one sense are like caught up in the praises of Jesus because they they wanted to experience the miraculous. Maybe they had seen it or they just, their hearts were longing for the miraculous. But we have to ask ourselves, and we really don't have any way of knowing this, did they actually want relationship with Jesus too? Or did they only want what he could do in meeting their needs? And then you know, it begs the question for us, do we want the miracles of God mm-hmm. or are we truly seeking a relationship with God? I think when our focus, like kind of going back to that first point of what you worship matters ties so 
well. Um, and it's so important how that connects to the second point of how you worship matters. Because if what you worship is more focused on the things that are tangible, the materialistic things, the things, again, that we can touch, see, feel, and sense. And, and that's what we've maybe even unintentionally idolized in our life. Maybe it's our, our financial status. It's our financial security. It's our career, our jobs, our family, you know, relationships. Maybe it is the church or um, it's what the church can provide for us. It, we're, we begin unintentionally idolizing these things, mm -hmm. inadvertently worshiping these things rather than the one who created us, rather than the one who provides the good things. And so if who we are worshiping or what we are worshiping is truly Christ, our Savior, uh, where we're finding our contentment and our, our dependence upon Him, then I think that will then lead us, the overflow of that then leads us to a place of how we are worshiping Christ will be through a place of holiness and a place of sacredness, of reverence, um, and of intimacy, of right. realizing the love right. and relationship that we are experiencing in the personal nature of Christ Jesus, not just in what is being provided to us through Christ. So it comes back to this place of recognizing that we must worship God out of relationship, not out of results. I'm going to say that again because it's worth writing down. We must worship God out of relationship, not out of results. So we, we have to ask ourselves, can we say that my pursuit of God is based on my desire to know God? Or is my pursuit of God motivated by my desire to just see God's work in my life? I think we need to pause there again for a moment. Can we say my pursuit of God is based in a desire to know God, or is it motivated by my desire to see God's work in my life? And maybe you can even take a moment, you know, we can pause for a moment, and if you're comfortable, you can chat in, in the chat box right there. Maybe what is God speaking to you right now? You know, I'm like, I can sense it in my heart and my spirit right now of what God is reminding, what, sorry if I'm hitting my mic right now. <laughs> I might be hitting my mic. But I just, I can sense in my heart, my spirit right now of what God is saying to me of like th this right now, it, it's always a challenge to be focused um, and, and be abiding in that relationship with Christ that goes, that is more focused on who Christ is rather than what he can provide for me. But I think in this particular season, I'm being challenged more than ever before, literally all throughout the day. <laughs> every single day, and I can imagine you probably are as well, being challenged of God, um, you know, I just want to focus on what I need from you right now rather than focusing on who you are in the midst of this. If this never goes away, mm. and if it actually just keeps getting worse, you know, it's that question, if everything fell away, would I still be okay? Would I still be at peace with Christ Jesus, my Savior, because I'm recognizing that He is the, the who and what I worship and then there's such a reverence and a sacredness in the intimacy of relationship with him. And those, those two phrases can sound kind of similar to say, you know, is my pursuit of God based on my desire to know God or is it based on my desire to see God's work in my life? It kind of sounds similar, but we have to realize that at a deeper level, the, the motivation is coming from a deeper place. And I mean, if we're motivated by our needs, then, um, and that's the only place that we're being motivated from to, to know God and experience God is eventually we're gonna get to a place where we get frustrated, we get disillusioned, we're just, we're disappointed because guess what? 
God will not always respond just to your needs. God will not give you what you think you need. And, and so what do you do when it feels as though God isn't giving me what I want? Well, if we're knowing God only through the place of what our needs are, then um, we're going to end up coming to those places where we feel really deeply frustrated. And, and I think the power of God in those moments, when we're talking about this, like the revelation of Jesus and, and worshiping Jesus, the power of God in those moments is us getting to recognize that, wait a minute, I've placed my, my hope, my pursuit, maybe even my sense of safety and trust in something other than just God alone. And that's, I think that's what this like totally unexpected season has done for us and, and for people all around our world is recognizing that we've built a system of safety, of, of resiliency, of, of comfort off of things that are maybe not things that are, are eternal things, things that are truly things that can give us life. And at some point, if it's anything other than God, it will be a well that runs dry. Yeah. I think if we go back to considering who, who was in the crowd that day when Jesus came through, um, came riding through, and they're all shouting Hosanna. Maybe some of them were shouting. Maybe some of them were just standing with their arms crossed. I kind of picture the religious leaders being really skeptical, maybe standing there with their arms crossed. Um, but when we consider who was standing in the crowd that day, there were the religious people. They were the religious teachers and the leaders. And their, what their focus was, was the religious truth that they just kept spouting over and over again. And again, their expectations of what they believed Jesus was supposed to do. And he was failing those expectations and he was breaking all the rules. So they're just spouting religious truth. So question is in this season, in our you know, season of chaos right now, our world is in chaos. They have likened this season to a world war uh, situation. We are in a season of crisis and no amount of religious truth that you or I could spout is going to deny that we are in the se a season of crisis and a season of grief. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, am I standing in the crowd shouting Hosanna for the sake of, of spouting religious truth? Or am I shouting Hosanna because like other people who were in the crowd, who were the broken, who were the bruised, the abused, the oppressed, the marginalized, the literally broken in body, physically ill, um, the sinners, you know, those people were crying Hosanna as well. And we see their lives displayed in the Gospels as ones who literally reached out to Christ, who, who ran after Christ, who searched after him, who, who even said, I believe, but I don't believe I'm struggling, who, who were honest with Christ. Those are the people that in their shouting Hosanna, they weren't shouting religious truth. They were shouting truly deeply from the yeah. depths of my being, God, I need you. Yeah. God, come and save me. I recognize your power and your majesty and your ability to come and save me. I think that's, you know, when, again, we consider the people. Um, and I think there were other, I think there was another group of people in the crowds. I think there was a group of people that were indifferent, that were apathetic, mm -hmm. that, that really didn't have an opinion maybe too much about what's going on. So are we the religious leaders that are spouting religious truth, but it's not hitting our hearts? Are we the indifferent people that are just, I don't know, denial or avoiding, or I don't want to reach out to, to any God. I'm not sure about that. Or are we the ones that are going to recognize our brokenness and recognize our deep need and reach out and cry Hosanna, genuinely Hosanna, save us. 
So that brings us into our, our final point and conclusion is that, you know, what you worship matters, how you worship matters, but then also how you participate yeah. matters. Yeah. That, that sense of engagement. And that's exactly what Pastor Kristen is talking about is there is this, this leaning in and moving toward Jesus. If we think about it, here's this big moment where Jesus is being revealed as Messiah in front of crowds of people. There's a lot of people watching and, and this is now the setup to Holy Week. He's entering Jerusalem preparing to go toward the Passover where there's the Last Supper and then immediately following that he's arrested and it starts his now journey toward the cross. And so what we see though is in this, this time after the triumphal entry, the crowd actually starts to get smaller. And, and then we come to the moment of the Last Supper of, of Good Friday, and it's really just the most intimate, like closest followers of Jesus that have followed through to that point. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, do we want to be ones that are in the crowd just watching, or do we want to be the ones seated at the table of Jesus and, and truly the most like revealing moments of Jesus humanity but also divinity as he's moving toward the cross and and we see this attitude of going all in Jesus followers they they uprooted it all to follow him they walked away from jobs they walked away from you know living with family and they began to follow Jesus walk with him learn from him and and so it becomes so powerful what we see in in Matthew so this is Matthew 21 and then in the next chapter, um, Matthew chapter 22, this is before Jesus gets to the cross, um, there's this back and forth with some other religious leaders and Jesus responds to them in this way. So this is Matthew 22 starting in verse 35. One of the religious leaders, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in, all of, in, in the law of Moses? And in verse 37, Jesus replies, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And, and to pause right there, he's actually quoting the, the Jewish scriptures back to this religious. So this, one, this religious leader, the one who's an expert, he would have known it. And, and so he's kind of giving it back to Jesus. But then Jesus goes, but I'm going to take it a step further. And he says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so we come to a point where we start recognizing, like, we have a choice to make. Are we going to love the Lord our God with all of our soul, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, our entire being, where we say, just like Jesus' disciples, I'm all in. I'm all in, like I'm engaged, I'm here, I present my full self to you, God. And all in doesn't mean I'm all perfect. I'm all like, I've arrived. Jesus followers were not perfect. No, I have it all together. I'm all in literally saying in all of my brokenness and all of my weakness, I'm going to be honest with who I am and I'm all in with Jesus. So Jesus come and make me right. Jesus come and make me whole. Jesus come and save me because I can recognize that I in fact need saving. It's the presenting of one's whole self to God and saying, God, even in my most uh, weakest places, you can have it. In my most broken places, God, you can have me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm here. Take my hands. Uh, you know, uh, whatever you can do with me, Lord, you can have me. And that's the attitude that Jesus' closest disciples had when they said, Jesus, I, I'm here. I'm following you. Even in the moments when they were most confused by what Jesus was teaching, mm-hmm. what Jesus was challenging them with, even in the moments of their own doubt. 
they were still in a place of saying, I am here. And they presented themselves. And then the beauty of that is they found themselves both at the table with Jesus for the Last Supper as they were experiencing this beautiful moment with Jesus of him breaking the bread and, and pouring out the cup for them. They're the ones that are at the foot of the cross as Jesus is breathing his last breath. They're the ones after his resurrection that then get challenged by that great commission to go into all the world, yeah. to preach the gospel, to baptize people in his name. They experienced Jesus fully because they were willing to present themselves fully to him. They were also the ones that after Jesus had died and was resurrected, that doubted Jesus mm -hmm. or that before he died, like Peter denied Jesus, Thomas doubted Jesus. You know, then we have Judas who betrayed Jesus. So while Jesus is sitting at the table with these intimate followers, having that last supper Passover meal together, he begins, we see this in scripture, but he serves them. And he breaks bread with them and he begins to speak of what is about to happen and he washes their feet and he, he literally gets down and he serves them and he shows and reveals what it means to love unconditionally. And so he didn't just gather again the followers that had it all together. He gathered the followers that were all in and even in their brokenness and their imperfection, he showed them what love was all about, what serving was all about. This is the Hosanna. The, this is the one that we are directing our Hosannas to on this Palm Sunday. An incredible, beautiful Savior. Yeah. And that's, that's why it's so powerful, powerful for us to engage the scriptures in a way of recognizing what it's revealing about the nature of Jesus. Jesus as the one who is fully God. Here's what's so amazing about this moment. Like if you look at the scriptures in the book of Luke, the words that the crowd is singing to praise Jesus, they're using words like glory to God in the highest, praise him, the, 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 the one of peace is coming. And those scriptures, those words that the crowd is singing and praising and giving praises to Jesus actually echo back to Jesus' birth with the shepherds encountering angels who were singing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to all. It's a similar echo of praises to Jesus. And so then we have you and I sitting here today and we have the ability to put those same praises on our lips and to glorify Jesus, to praise Jesus. But Palm Sunday is so much more about us giving worship to God just through through our songs of worship and through a moment of, of feeling lifted up in, in an experience of worship through music or maybe through a church service. But it's truly us coming to a place of, of asking ourselves, you know, what am I worshiping? Am I truly worshiping Jesus and, and God alone in that way? But then also saying, you know, how am I worshiping? Mm -hmm. What am I, am I truly um, worshiping God with all that I am? Am I truly worshiping Jesus as just solely a relationship with God or because of what God could give me or what I feel like I need from God? But then also asking ourselves, are we willing to participate? Are we willing to fully engage? Because think of it. There were people standing on the street as Jesus made his triumphal entry that sang praises and then they walked back home and returned to life as usual, life as normal. And maybe they told the story, you know, weeks later, years later, oh, I, I was there that day. Yeah, I remember when he came in on the donkey. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was really something. That was confusing or I don't know what to make of that. But there were others who found themselves connecting with God and God fully and following Jesus 
maybe even finding themselves at the foot of the cross or hearing the story after his resurrection and going, wait a minute, I have encountered the Messiah. I have encountered the Son of God. So what I'd like to do now is, is bring us to a place of just um, concluding first in, in a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer for us together. But I, I want to ask for you to, to maybe share in, in the chat box. And we find it's important to be able to chat and communicate because it lets us know, number one, there are many of us watching this video right now so you can engage with one another. But maybe you can share in the box either um, a place where you're challenged by what you've heard this morning or maybe something that's just totally encouraged you this morning that you needed to hear. And so take a few minutes and share that. And before the video ends this morning, uh, you're going to have time to keep chatting. But also, if you would like prayer specifically from Pastor Kristen or myself, um, there's a button on your screen that you can click that will put you into a private connection just to Pastor Kristen or myself where we can pray specifically for you. If you want to share something that's more private, more personal, um, we would love to be able to pray for you in that way. Pastor Brad's going to pray in just a moment as we end, but, you know, I just, um, we want to extend that invitation to you. Um, we've asked those questions throughout the message of, you know, where, where are you in the midst of this season of your life, um, in your relationship with Jesus? Maybe it's non-existent, maybe it's present. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly where, where each of us are, um, but consider that for a moment. And, and we just want to extend an invitation to you. I've just, um, as Pastor Brad prays in a moment, it's going to be for all of us, um, just a, a recommitment, or maybe for some of you, it's a commitment for the first time to say, you know what, I, I need that, um, I need that space of belonging with you, Christ Jesus. I, I need to go beyond religion and I need to go beyond um, just this um, knowledge of you. And I need to form a relationship with you. I, I want to experience your love. I, I want to experience your kindness. I want to experience your forgiveness. Um, I want to experience your healing of my, of my brokenness um, from the inside out, not just all the things that you can do for me, um, but all the ways that you can change my life from the inside out. That is my prayer right now. I need to recommit just again regularly in this season. Am I centered on you, O Lord? Am I centered in that, that belonging? Am I anchoring myself in that belonging? And so we just want to extend that invitation to you as Pastor Brad prays where you are in your room as you pray with Pastor Brad. Um, you know, you make that commitment if you're feeling compelled and feeling drawn into that, that recommitment or that commitment for the first time to just belong to Jesus. And then if you are making that commitment for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, um, maybe you're just in a place where you're like, I need encouragement. I need people to come alongside me in this. Please reach out to us. Um, we have opportunities of coming alongside you available. We have ways of being able to do that even right now while we're virtually connecting. So please do that. Well, let's pause together now and I'd ask you to just pray along with me, but let's agree in prayer as we respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. God, as we pause now, we first just rest in your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that while you came and walked this earth so many centuries ago, um, your presence is still here through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, now as we recognize your presence that's with us on this Palm Sunday, we declare your praises. Lord, I know for some of us, we're in a place where we, we may have 
had an awareness from the prompting of your Holy Spirit that we've been setting our eyes and setting the focus of our, of our hearts on things that are not you. And we've, we've actually set things up in our life that we've, we've worshipped in a way that really should only be worship that's given to you. We've created dependencies and, and uh, reliances on things that are not you. And so I pray, God, that today you would show us how we can experience a, a fully free and, and just the fullness of life that's found in Jesus alone. Mm-hmm. I pray, Jesus, that today you would you would set people free. Maybe it's for the first time um, we're coming to a place of recognizing you as Savior, mm-hmm. one who not just frees us from, from our wants and our needs, but truly can set us free deeply in our hearts and our souls. And so I pray, God, today that you help us to embrace that, that revelation of you, Jesus, as Messiah, as mm-hmm. Savior, as one who we can cry out and say, Hosanna, save now, help me now, not because I, I'm wanting things from you, but I want to live fully connected to you, Jesus, and you alone. Mm-hmm. God, I also pray today for anyone who's in a place where um, we've created a, a, a system of living and a way of living that's built more just on expectations of doing the right things and, and trying to be perfect and, and pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and just trying to like do the right thing, whether our heart feels it or not. And I pray today, God, that you would set some people free from that heavy obligation and and, and move people into a place of experiencing your heart, no longer just seeking what your hands can do, but God, truly seeking your face, being able to look into a face of love and know that we have belonging in you as sons and daughters. And so I pray, God, today that you would break off the the heaviness of of expectation, of religiosity, of trying to to meet other people's expectations. And I pray, God, that you would move people into a place of recognizing unconditional love, acceptance, and forgiveness that's found in you alone. God, would you connect our heart, our soul to you so deeply that we experience you today. And today, God, on behalf of, of everyone who's watching this video, I pray a prayer of saying that I am all in. Yeah. God, may that be the attitude of our heart today to say, I'm all in. God, you can have all of me. When we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, we're saying, I'm here, have all of me, even in my brokenness, even in my imperfection, even in my weakness. Jesus, you can have all of me. And then the power of what you do through a community of people who say that we are all in with you Mm -hmm. transforms the world. That's what we see through Jesus' disciples and through the early church is communities of people who say, God, we are yours totally and wholly. Everything we have, everything we feel like we possess, every heartbeat that we, our heartbeats is yours. And so today, God, on this Palm Sunday, we sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. We sing and we say praises to you, King Jesus, because we say you are Lord over all. God, would you continue to um, unite our hearts together? Lord, speak peace to those who are in places of worry, concern. I pray, God, that you continue to bring provision by your hand to those that need it. I pray, God, that you continue to be hope in desperate places and that you remind us, God, that you are the God of yesterday. You are the God of tomorrow but you are also the God of this present moment now, and we will rest in you today. God, would you continue to take us from a place of death to life through this Easter season as we encounter Jesus together. We pray this in the name of Jesus, that wonderful name. Amen.